The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. We spoke to Tom Rowe on the program this time last week and ran out of time to really get into his agenda. He's running as an independent candidate for Karangamite. So I thought we'd just have him back on just to find out what his platform is, because I know we do have a lot of Karangamite listeners who would want to listen and find out um, what Tom's standing for and whether or not they may like to vote for him. On this program, we don't endorse candidates or uh, recommend anyone. We try and have all of the candidates on. So um, Stephanie Asher, I'm told, will be doing her first interview as uh, the Karangamite candidate for the Liberal Party in September. Uh, Libby Coker joins us already once a month, so we're giving you the opportunity to hear all of the candidates and to make up your own mind. Tom, good morning. Thanks for being on the program. Uh, Morning, Mitchell. Always great to be back on the program. Only a week since we last spoke. I know we're here to talk about um, my political aspirations and what's, what's driving me, but there's so many more important things we, of course, should be talking about, uh, given this utter COVID catastrophe that's before us at the moment. Well, uh, just on that, uh, what do you think should happen tomorrow? Because I would like to see even just some restrictions ease. I'm clinging on to small amounts of hope, like even simple things like the solo outdoor recreation activities that you can do without coming into contact with anyone. But um, you probably, I'd imagine, would want more substantial easing. Well, yes, and it's small business that I'm really most concerned about. And we touched on my wife's business only last week, of course, and her finally giving up in the retail sense after 18 months of trying and trying and being you know, confronted with the wave of, of lockdowns and the destruction of uh, that retail side of her business. And, yes, we spoke about her moving on to other things in a wholesale sense, but we as a family unit can afford that. But, you know... The, the devastation that's out there right through our small business community is so profound. And whether that's here in the region, whether it's in Melbourne and Sydney and elsewhere in our federation, it's just everywhere. And what Sydney's going through is just shattering. And it's a whole lot of reasons around that and there's nuances and all the rest. Uh, and it's going to, con- you know, it's contagious in a, in, a, in a societal sense, leaving aside the issue of Delta and COVID. It's ramifications everywhere for our federation, our country. Uh, with Sydney and the you know the, the appalling state that it is. So look at a personal level, yeah, I'd like to see relief and be able to get out and about. But for me, it has to be about how we're going to get economic activity back on foot with our small businesses that are out there. Because the support structures that were there with, uh, you know, JobKeeper and 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 the like, um, um, you know, they've all dramatically changed. Our level of financial support had to come to an end. There's been much more pressure put back on the states. Uh, and a consequence to their actions. So, in a sense, there's been uh, a decentralisation of the burden from the feds, and we've just got to find a way through this. And central around this is AstraZeneca. So, I can talk about things for Victoria or our region, and so can you. But we've got to deal with the issue of vaccination, and that means what we do with the AstraZeneca question. And and we've got to tackle this, Mitchell, because we cannot be holding out for Pfizer, as we discussed last week in part. That game is up. Now, talking about your campaign, is this an issue that's, I suppose, a classic issue in politics, which is principles against pragmatism? In other words, is it better to sell out on a couple of your principles and have someone like Stephanie Asher run for pragmatic reasons in that she has the runs on the board and has been proven to get votes from people in the Ballerine, which you do need in order to win that seat of Karangamite? It is fundamentally now a Ballerine seat. So is it better to compromise on a few principles that you stand for in order to see a Liberal elected over from over someone from the Labor Party? 
Well, I'm not a I'm not a fan of compromise at all. Pragmatism will get to, but I think there's a big difference between pragmatism and compromise. I also do not agree that um, uh, the majority of Karangamite is now Bellarine. It's about 50-50. So there's about 110, 107,000 voters in Karangamite from memory, and there's about 50,000 on the Bellarine. So this is simply factually not the case. This is all about the Bellarine, even though a lot of you know Stephanie's policies and with her, uh, blunt, bluntly, the puppet master Sarah Henderson controlling Stephanie about what they're doing and the policies that Stephanie's run in a sense through council and the blocking of development and all this sort of populism that's running uh, about blocking growth and development across Karangamite. And, and that's a core part of what I'm very, very frustrated with. And as we discussed last week was the, the straw that broke the camel's back and, and, and why I stepped up. Now, it is quite possible um, that um, despite my endeavour, uh, Stephanie will get up. Absolutely, you are correct. She's got a wonderful, she had a wonderful primary vote in a political sense that came out at the 2020 council election, and one just can't discount that. So, in a sense, the party uh, at one level has been very pragmatic, but I think it's just walked away from a lot of its principles, and that's just wrong. And I think you can be both pragmatic and hold on to your principles, because I think the core part of what we're just about to talk about is both being principled and being pragmatic at a federal level. And this will run down to just about everything that we face as a society today in the way we're operating. And that will st that will also include this catastrophe, the way Scott Morrison and Greg Hunt have dealt uh, with uh, the COVID catastrophe and multiplied this catastrophe by many factors for Australia, where we sit within our peer group, within the OECD, last or it might just be when our second last because even worse than us is new zealand led by the great populist uh, jacinda ardern um so we've got a long long way to go so i understand the question about pragmatism but i'm sorry i don't accept that we should walk away from our principles certainly at a federal level but it's also most particularly for karangamite how will you sell your policies to the voters whether it's in the ballerine or more broadly in karangamite because i'm assuming that the major parties have taken on this stance about development because I'm assuming it's focus group tested and they feel like there's a lot of popular support. So what's your plan to change those sort of attitudes in areas like Port Arlington when we saw that uh, debate around that development? Well, I have to start with principles first, Mitchell. I'm it's, it's only been you know two weeks since I resolved in my head or a bit less that I would step up uh, I made the announcements, you know, the Friday week ago uh, to the Geelong Advertiser, and a couple of days before that, I was really mulling over what to do, uh, and I'd already resigned from the Liberal Party. You know, the day after, um, it was resolved that Stephanie would be the endorsed candidate for the Liberal Party to run for Karangamite. So I'm very early in this thinking, in a sense, of how I'm going to sell myself, to be fair, and also... The, the particular policy positions I will take and then perhaps some micro detail behind that to support those policy positions. But I need to start with principles first uh, and try to bring the people along for a journey. So I want to start with the end game and then we might go back to the beginning and the more micro side. And to start with, I want to make a, I'll just talk to a quote from that, that Sir Samuel Griffith was um, reported to have said uh, in the early 1890s. And this is at the beginning of our uh, constitutional journey to create the federal constitution and we're running of course and we're talking about federal politics of course and this is the thing that we all as a community as a federation should have absolute regard to it was a gift that our constitutional founders provided to us and it's been turned on its head and i want to start there 
In the early 1890s, when the constitutional process was really beginning to take off and there were constitutional referendums um, uh, beginning to emerge and ultimately the referenda that occurred in the late 1890s, Sir Samuel Griffith, who ultimately became um, the chief, the first chief justice of our high court, that is our high court, our highest court or our constitutional court, is reported to have said, we must not lose sight of the essential condition that this is to be a federation of states and not a single government of Australia. The separate states are to continue as autonomous bodies, surrendering only so much of their power as is necessary for the establishment of general government to do for them collectively what they cannot do individually for themselves. So that's at the beginning. And then we go through all of the constitutional conventions of the referenda and we end up with our adopted federal constitution. And I just want to refer to section 107 of our federal constitution which talks to, this is a very simple one-paragraph section, all right, and it's headed saving of power for state parliaments. Every power of the parliament of a colony which has become or becomes a state, which we obviously are, shall, unless it is by this constitution exclusively, this is a very important word, exclusively vested in the parliament of the Commonwealth or withdrawn from the parliament of the state, continue as at the establishment of the Commonwealth or as at the submission, or sorry, as, as at the admission or establishment of the state, as the case may be. The point is that it's only those things that our federal constitution has provided exclusively to the federal government that they should deal with. In, in every other respect, the powers that the states had at the beginning um, shall remain. But this is just not our experience and, and today. And, and most of the problem comes down to money. And, you know, we touched on this last week about vote buying, of course, and this terrible insidious cancer that invades so much of our politics today. But that's just one of many examples. If, if I can give you just one specific example uh, and a question to you, Mitchell. Yes. Um, when do you think the last surplus, you know, budgetary surplus, not the forecast, but the outcome. When would you say was the last budgetary surplus that we've enjoyed? Federal, I believe it was 06 to 07, wasn't it? Well, the real answer is 1908. All right? So what happened in 1908? All right? This terrible thing called the Surplus Revenue Act was imposed upon us to undermine. This is, in a sense, part of the start of the rot. All right? And what this... Under our Constitution, any surplus that occurs within the federal um, um, executive is to be returned to the states. That's just a constitutional lawful requirement. So in 1908, up until then, the feds have been honouring that particular, I mean, actually obeying the law, of course, but they've been, in a sense, in the spirit, honouring what we had constitutionally agreed and what the law provided for. But they got sick and tired of that because, of course, the more money you control, uh, the more that you can dictate elsewhere and, the, you know, basically the Game of Thrones has started. So they enacted this particular act and what that meant is that they could appropriate all of the surplus funds that otherwise would have had to have gone back to the states into trust funds. Because it was deemed to be an appropriation... Unfortunately, the High Court of the time, when this particular act was challenged by the states, deemed it lawful. So, in fact, you might have a Josh Frydenberg or a Peter Costello talk about a budget surplus, uh, with Josh Frydenberg talking about getting us back in the black had not been for COVID. His forecast budget would have got us there. But at the end, when that surplus was actually there, they were stuck it into trust accounts. So, in fact, there's absolutely no surplus. 
So that money cannot be returned to the states. Instead, what the Commonwealth does and goes out and uses what we call Section 96 to go and buy and bribe and blackmail the states and the rest of the people of this country about what they want to do. And it has totally um, destroyed the federal pact that we had signed up for uh, uh, through the referenda that we the people had signed up to and ultimately our federal constitution. And so from a political selling point, I have to go back to that first and foremost and talk to all the things that federalism was supposed to have granted us and which has been ripped away. And it cuts across just about every single problem we see in our society today. And it starts with fiscal autonomy, fiscal responsibility and fiscal consequence, all under, the, all under this sort of federalist competitive framework. And from there, the other uh, attributes are checks on power, all right? And this is just so incredibly important because just to and we take it back to a COVID example right now. Uh, and, and we talk about the problems, whether it's a Dan Andrews problem or a Gladys Berejiklian problem uh, and what would have happened and what we could have done and whether, they should have, whether they've succeeded and whether they've failed. But just imagine last year if Dan Andrews had been the Prime Minister of this country rather than just the Premier of Victoria and just imagine if Gladys Berejiklian had been the Prime Minister of uh, Australia rather than just the Premier of New South Wales and what their actions and conduct um, would, have, would have cascaded through the rest of our federation. But worst of all, look at what centralised power has done under Scott Morrison and Greg Hunt and the catastrophic impact of having a centralised command and control centre in Canberra dictating to everybody else how we should run vaccinations and quarantine. All right? You come through and you talk about choice and diversity, customisation of policies, competition, creativity and cooperation. All of these things are being denied us through the way that our federal body has imposed itself with vote buying, and most particularly, money. So that is the sort of overarching framework. In a sense, the ideology of what I'm about, and then I'll have to come into individual policies and ultimately how it impacts upon the people of Karangamite. Well, we might it have to talk about a, those next month, I think. <laughs> in, in, indeed, it, it may well be a, a, a tough sell. How much time have we got? I'll just start to run out, unfortunately. But one thing I just wanted to ask you about very quickly, and uh, you may not have an answer to this yet, but I'd imagine a lot of people would want to know, on your how to votes, will you be directing preferences towards uh, Stephanie Asher or towards Libby Coker? Um, well, <clears throat> there's been no preference discussion. It's way, way too early. I, I, it wouldn't look if my position gets any traction. I'm sure the, sure the libs want to have a chat to me, and whether Labor does or the worse still the Greens do, I, look, I doubt. But look, it's, it's it's no great surprise that I'm a liberal at heart, and part of my big issue is that I think our local, regional, federal body has walked away from liberal principles, all right? And I can talk about Stephanie at a personal level, but it's not about her personally. And that ridiculous nonsense that Richard Miles came out with over the weekend attacking Stephanie about parking fines, I mean, just, it's just I would have thought so beneath Richard. But anyway, that's what he's done, and he's tried to back it. It's just so stupid. We've got to be tackling the issues of principle and policies, not this nonsense about parking fines. Well, he's actually run um, three different going... attack ads, um, it turns out, and one of them right. has been about parking fines, one's been about standing down staff during the uh, the pandemic oh. at the city of Greater Geelong, and the last one was apparently eight years ago, she wrote an article saying, do we need another government agency in Geelong? So it says she stood against moving NDIS jobs to Geelong. So that's the Labour attack at the moment. But anyway... Whatever. I mean, they've got on. nothing else to talk about, because Richard won't tackle the core issues, because his Labour mates and state Labour are right up to their necks in it, and I've written 
to Richard and he won't tackle the core issues, which is about populism and decentralisation and this outrageous skullduggery that's occurred under C395 and the theft of $3 billion from the people of Greater Geelong, including Karangamite. Can't really tackle that. So back to preferences, Mitchell, just briefly. So um, there is a, obviously a preference string that goes from one down to God knows how many people will try to run for Karangamite. Uh, is it, it's just totally implausible that I will put Libby Coker, all right, and that whole command and control socialist utopian <laughs> freak show uh, above above Stephanie Asher. It's just not going to happen. But how far down Stephanie goes in my preferences, I, I don't know. And that's going to have to be a discussion. Um, um, so wait for wait for what happens. And of course, if I preference another independent or somebody else, where will their preferences ultimately go? And that will undermine uh, what happens for uh, for the sort of centre centre right side of things. So that story is going to reveal itself, and we've got to see how much traction I get with my endeavour. But I'm wild uh, with anger about what's happened locally with our federal politics, but also most particularly, most importantly, what's happening out of Canberra. We've got to change the current system. Well, thanks for being on the program. I see our next appearance is scheduled for the 16th of August, so hopefully then we'll be able to go into some detail and we'll have you on every month uh, until the election. And it Look, seems like the election could run long, so we may have a few months' yeah, worth it, it of couldn't conversations be. ahead of us. It might be Mitchell, March 16th. Yes. Just a question. Stephanie Asher, I mean, she launched herself, uh, what, two weeks ago, great fanfare, photo shoots, blah, blah, blah. Well, she's not appearing and making a, a, an official interview or whatever. Uh, until September, is that what she said? That's that I've heard that she had to push back. That's what she said. Her schedule has been had to be pushed back due to uh, COVID. Was what I was told. So she was meant to come on, I think, oh. next week, but it's now September. But anyway, that that's... is just pathetic. That is just absolutely woeful and pathetic. And I'm I'll sorry, leave, we'll guys. leave it there and uh, talk to you All on right, the sixteenth. Tom Rowe with us there, who's running as an independent candidate for Karangamite. The Mitchell's front page podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's front page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.